0: Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Welcome to the uh, final week of our message series called It's Not You, It's Me. And uh, we've been taking four weeks, uh, really trying to unpack four aspects uh, of God's love. And, um, and we've taken the, the the infamous breakup line of it's, it's not you, it has nothing to do with you, it's all me. Uh, we've kind of taken that and we've turned it into the greatest pickup line of all time. As God looks at you and I and says, listen, my love for you, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with with me, and so we've been um, in this journey over the last four weeks, looking at God's love. We've used um, some popular '80s uh, love songs uh, to help us kind of frame uh, each week's message. And so, in week one, uh, we heard a little bit from Foreigner, and uh, we titled the message that I want to know what love is. And uh, the takeaway from week one was that love isn't something that God does; it's it's who He is. It's not an action that he does only if he feels like it, but it's his very nature of who he is. In week two, uh, we heard from a band named Journey, and uh, the the title of the message was Open Arms, and the takeaway from that was that God loves us even when we don't love him. Last week, we heard from uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, and uh, we titled the message Hurt So Good, And the reason why we said hurt so good is because God disciplines us uh, for something, not because of something. That he disciplines, uh, discipline is part of God's love. That if we are being disciplined, then we know that God loves us, right? The Bible said that we are considered illegitimate if God does not love us. And so we understood, we came away from that message understanding that God has a purpose and a plan for all of our lives. And so that discipline is something for our benefit for the long run, right? Not because of something necessarily that we've done. Uh, today, I want us to go back to a band that we did in week two, a band by the name of Journey, a band that is a personal favorite of mine, and I want this band and, uh, to kind of set up today's message. Here we go. I'm In today's message is going to be coming out of Romans chapter 8. We're t- entitling that had like no words in it whatsoever. Um, but obviously I sent the wrong uh, timestamp stamp uh, for that. That was not intentional by the way. Um, but uh, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8 today. Romans chapter 8 and I've entitled uh, today's uh, message faithfully. faithfully. We're going to take a look at God's love as it relates to Uh, This title faithfully. Um, Let's prepare our hearts for what he wants to say to us today. Um, Church family, it's something we say every week. If you're new here, join along with us if you'd like. But say this out loud, Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's something... um, There's something about the wonder of God's creation and nature that hits the reset button in my soul. Like there's something about um, seeing a sunrise. There's something about seeing a sunset. There's something about being uh, in the woods with nobody around and hearing the birds just begin to chirp all over. And And one of the things that has always been fascinating to me that has been um, just kind of taken my breath away is is looking at mountains, being around mountains. And one of the ones that is really like the most impactful to me is a a mountain called Mount Everest. I'm sure you've heard of that before. Mount Everest, here's a a, a picture of that. Mount Everest is 29,000 feet above sea level. That's pretty high. To put that into perspective, it's 84 times larger than uh, the capitol building downtown. When you think of Mount Everest, the kind of temperature fluctuations that in the summer it gets to a balmy minus two degrees Fahrenheit. In the winter, it gets all the way down, averages minus 32 degrees. If you've ever had the, the, the interest to climb Mount Everest, you can do that. Uh, you've got to be willing to give up about 10 weeks of vacation time. Uh, that's about how long it takes for you to do that. And you've got to be able to give up about thirty dollars to $100,000 to be able to pay for all the things necessary to make that trek. And in all that time and on all that money, it doesn't guarantee you that you'll ever make it to the top. It doesn't even guarantee you that you'll come back alive. With Mount Everest, they've seen 305 people that have set out to try to uh, uh, climb to get to the summit of Mount Everest that have given their lives on that mountain. The most dangerous trek in the journey of trying to summit Mount Everest is the, the trek between the South Summit to Hillary Step. And we've got a picture up here of this trek, and you'll see climbers that are beginning to make their way up to Hillary Step. That looks a bit scary <laughs> to think of on one side is Tibet and on one side is Nepal, some seven to 10,000 feet down. And so they, in order to make this trek over this ridge, this tight space, requires a, um, a pretty good ice axe, some calculated steps, and then finally, a rope. You see, they use when they're traveling, when they're making this journey, that they have a a rope that is attached from one person to the other as they begin to make their way up that connects them to the top. And one of the most fascinating stories about The climbing of Mount Everest is from a guy named Eric Winnemeyer, is I guess how I'm going to pronounce his name today. Eric is an an American who successfully summited Mount Everest on May 25th, 2001. And what's fascinating about Eric's story is that he's been blind since 13 blind from 13 and to this day Eric is the only blind person that has ever summited the peak of Mount Everest. He was asked after that experience from a reporter, he was asked like like how could you climb Mount Everest blind and his response was I know the idea sounds a little crazy, go figure. That I know it sounds a little crazy but even when the wind was howling even when I couldn't hear the footsteps of of the people in front of me or behind me he said I always had the rope to guide me that I always had the rope to guide me and this story is 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 inspirational on a lot of different levels. But what caught my attention about his comments and his story was the part about the rope. That when he couldn't see where to go and when he couldn't hear what was happening, that he could put his trust in the rope to guide him in the midst of a very dangerous journey. And that the one thing that he saw that couldn't and wouldn't fail him The rope, even when he was uncertain about what step to take, that he looked at that experience and he said it was the rope that helped guide him. And church, in a spiritual sense, you and I are kind of in the same way, spiritually blind to the storms and the things that we face in our lives, that we go through seasons and times when we can't see where to go and the voices in our head keep telling us that we need to throw in the towel. But it's in those times that the rope of God's love, we can always count on it to guide us in the right direction and to never let us go. I think one of the greatest chapters, arguably the greatest chapter in all of the Bible, in all of the 1,189 chapters is Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, and starting in verse 35, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I don't know if you can like hear the tone, but I can like, I can hear the tone of, of Paul in that moment. Like, he's not asking for like an answer, like, he already knows the answer. Like, it's a, it's a rhetorical question that he has this resolve in his heart like, who can separate us from the love of Christ? This word separate means to tear apart. Like, who can and what can tear us apart from? the love of Christ, and then it begins to list some of life's experiences. He says, should should trouble tear us apart from the love of God? Should, should hardship tear us apart? Or persecution tear us apart? Or, or famine, the lack in our lives, should that tear us apart from the love of God? Or, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? And Paul says this in verse 37, he's like, no. Like I could, just, I could just see him writing this letter out and I could just see him, like I don't know if they had highlighters or, or pens to underline in the time, but I could just see him put emphasis on this, that no, like none of these things, like nothing that you face or experience in your life can tear you apart from God's love. Now that's not our first instinct. Our first instinct isn't to understand that in the worst of our, our times, in the worst seasons of our life, that, that there's, that that we're connected to God in such a way that, that our worst sin can't tear us apart, that our worst circumstances can't tear us apart, that our natural tendency is to think, what did I do wrong to deserve what I'm experiencing in the mess that I'm facing now? And the truth is, is our sin, the truth is our mistakes, those all have consequences. But the, the reality is, is that God never intended his love for our lives to be a trouble-resistant spray that repels all the bad things in our life, right? Like instead, his love, that it's an unbreakable rope that keeps us close to him whenever trouble comes our way. Listen, none of life's experiences, you need to understand that none of life's experiences have the power or the permission, not just the power, but also the permission to tear us apart, to separate us from God's love. And Paul says, no, he says, in all of these Things And all of the things that we face and experience in our lives, some, some translations say, use the word despite, like despite the difficulty and despite the loss of loved ones, despite sickness and despite persecution and despite financial pressure and despite fractured relationships, despite uncertainty, about the future, despite even seasons of our own unbelief. Paul says, despite all of those things, he says, you and I, that we are more than conquerors. Now, I love this part. I love this part because this word, this, this phrase more than conquerors comes from one Greek word, Hooper, Nikeo, and it's formed by, by, by two Greek words together. If you look on the screens, it's the, the word, um, hyper or Hooper, which means a great degree or super, and then Nikeo, which means victorious. Now, It was this word, Nikeo, that inspired a a running shoe company by the name of Blue Ribbon Sports. Anybody heard of Blue Ribbon Sports Shoe Company? Yeah, because in 1971, they decided to change their name using Nikeo as the word to describe their brand. What's the name? Nike. Nike. What's Paul trying to say? What is it? What's he trying to communicate to us? He's he's saying that you and I that we're gonna have some some difficulty in our lives. But he says the good news, get this, the good news is that the game is rigged in your favor. He he says, listen, you're not just promised victory, you're promised overwhelming super victory. And this is the way that I like to kind of like explain what overwhelming super victory is. And you're you're kind of thinking about this in the context of, of your life and your situations is that what if, what if we, we set up a, a football game, all right? And we set up the football game and we, we brought in all of, of Florida State's, um, all of Florida State's like elite best players from each position in their prime, right? We sent an email out from Transformation Church, and they're all like, dude, Transformation Church is reaching out to us. Like, we're in it. We're in it to win it, right? And so Deion Sanders comes rolling in, and Jalen Ramsey starts running in. They're going to dress up as corners, and we got Peter Bulware and Derek Brooks as linebacker, and Ron Simmons and Darnell Dockett on the defensive line. And Derwin James is like, don't forget about me. I'll, I'll be in the backfield with uh, dressing up as safety. And then on offense, we pull in Charlie Ward as quarterback and Devonta Freeman as running back. And we even go old school with a little Fred Belitnikoff uh, as wide receiver and Peter Warwick as wide receiver. And we set up We set up a full contact game against the FSU All-Stars and my man Andrew Briner's Bradfordville Buccaneers youth football team. (laughs) Now, these guys are winners and they're good at what they do, but there's two things that I'm confident of about this matchup between the FSU All-Star team and the Bradfordville Buccaneers. The first one that I'm confident of is that FSU will finally win a game. <laughs> We're gonna start the season one and O. Oh. And the second thing that I'm confident of is that there's gonna be a lot of injuries and tears left on that grass field. Church, it'd be an unfair matchup, right? It'd be an unfair matchup because the Bradfordville Bucks literally have no chance against the FSU All-Stars, not the old All-Stars, in their prime. Remember, I set that up at the beginning, in their prime. And and listen, what Paul's trying to say, what he's trying to say to us in this text is despite the, the disappointments in life, despite the heartache that we experience, despite the difficulties that we face and, and the mistakes that we make, that Paul is like, listen, the odds of you being victorious are in your favor. Like, and not just like, hopefully, like, like the margin is slim, but they are, it is you are super victorious. And look what he says. The reason why you're super victorious, he's like, it's got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with your good works. It's got nothing to do with the best that you can do. It's got nothing to do with your amazing talent. He says this, it says it's through him who loved us. That the key for us experience this super victorious being more than conquerors in our life despite everything that we face. The key is that it's through him. And I love this word through because it's a, it's a preposition in the original language, dia. And it's where we get our English word diameter. Like, check this out. It means to go across to the other side. Like, in other words, in order for us to become super victorious, we're going to do that not because we're that good, but because we chose the right team. It's because you and I chose the right team to play for. And I can see old Paul like steely-eyed writing this down on his scroll with his click, big pen, you know, and he says in verse 38, he's, look at this, he says, I am convinced. This word convinced is interesting too, because in the original language, it actually means to be convinced through obedience. So what Paul is writing, what he's saying here is he's like, I've been there and I've done that. Like I've faced the worst in my life. I've had persecution in my life. Like I've been tortured in my life. Like I've been let down in my life. I've had good friends turn their back on me in my life. Like I've had a lot of difficulty and a lot of pain in my life. But he's saying this, I am convinced Convinced not because it's a cool idea, convinced because I've been there and I've done that. And I've seen how God's love has has held me through the worst of my, my times in my life. And he says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, and I love how he goes to the extreme opposites, that neither death nor life, that neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, neither anything else in all of creation, he's like, friend, nothing will be able to tear you apart from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I mean, in essence, what Paul is saying here is that that it's not that we have to hang on to God's love like to get us through this season, we gotta, we gotta hang on to God's love. What he's saying is, is that God's love hangs on to you. Like wherever you're at and whatever you're facing, whatever the worst mistakes are in the history of your life, like when you look back in the rear view mirror, like God's love hangs on to you. But Paul's experienced the worst of life and he's also experienced... What happens when you trust in the rope of God's love to get you through? And I think about my life and I think about my journey. And I think about all the things in my rearview mirror, all the times that I doubted God all the times that after I started trusting in God and after I gave my heart to God and began to doubt God and to question my faith, all the times that I made bad, poor decisions in my past, all the times that I've made mistakes before I knew Christ and after I knew Christ, that I am convinced that no matter what I do and where I go, that God's love is with me that his love wants the best for me and the best for my life. And you see this like, like this rope that's attached to Eric. This rope that was the one thing that wouldn't, wouldn't fail him, that he could put his trust in despite the uncertainty that he faced in every step and that you and I too, that we are held firmly and guided by the unbreakable, everlasting rope of God's love. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. And this is what it says. It says that if we are unfaithful, that he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Think about how extraordinary that verse is. And think about all the times in your life, as I can think in my life, the times that I have been unfaithful to God, that I have not trusted, that I've had doubt in my heart that I've promised him that I would live one way and do one thing and find myself breaking that promise over and over again. And what we learn here about how powerful the rope of God's love is is that even when we're unfaithful, that he remains faithful. Not because we ever do, not because we're doing the right thing or we're necessarily good people, but that's who he is. Remember week one, like, God doesn't love, God is love. That's who he is. The rope of God's love will never let us go. And Eric, he understood this wisdom. He understood the wisdom in trusting the rope, that it was his trust in the rope that enabled him to reach peaks in his life that sighted people could only dream of. And church, as we close this series, as we put the bow in this year of of talking about God's love and we look at all the different things that we've learned along the way, that at the end of the day, you and I are faced with a choice. And this choice that you and I are faced with has two completely different sets of consequences that in hearing all about God's love and hearing the fact that it doesn't matter where I go or what I do or how bad I am, that God loves me no matter what, that we can choose to resist his love or we can choose to receive it. And when we face difficulty in our life and time gets tough and And maybe God's using that season in our life to try to cut some things off of our life so that we could become more like Christ. We could either choose to resist that season or resist that process, or we can choose to receive it. And Jesus says in John 10, 10, that that I think frames this whole idea of resist or receive. He says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy but Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it, not just life, but to the full, abundant life, like over and above what you could ever dream is possible kind of life. And friend, when we choose to resist God's love, it's the first part of this verse that we end up experiencing in our life. That when we resist his love and we allow the enemy to, to get a foothold in our life, that he begins to steal and kill and destroy God's purpose and plan. But when we'll receive it, when we receive it in the good times and the bad times, that we set ourselves up to be beneficiaries of the second part, that our lives would have life and have it to the full. And the reason why that happens is because our response, the appropriate response to God's love towards us is to submit to the process of being transformed into his likeness. That we allow him to carve away. That we allow him to cut some things away from our life that shouldn't be there. That we allow our lives, our mind, our actions, our words to be more and more like Him. Not out of obligation, but out of a love and a gratitude and appreciation for all that He's done for us. You know, Andrea and I have been married for over 20 years, and the reason why I say over 20 is because I can't remember the exact years. <laughs> and we've experienced some some good seasons. We've experienced some difficult seasons. We've had seasons in our marriage where we've gotten along great. We've had seasons in our marriage where we've struggled and we've argued and And it's been difficult. We've had seasons when it seems like all of God's blessings just seems to be surrounding us. And then we've had seasons where we've been like, God, where are you? Like, why is this happening over and over again? And and in the midst of the good times and in the midst of the bad times, it's been our love for one another that has been the glue that has got us through all of that. that we've looked at each other through times of arguments and and we've said to one another, listen, I trust that you love me. I trust that you want what's best for me. And so as uncomfortable as the conversation feels, I trust the desire, the intent underneath it. And I think about our relationship with God and our understanding of how amazing God's love is. How amazing that while we were yet sinners, that he stretched his arms out on a cross for you and I. That despite the broken promises, that he continues to extend grace and forgiveness to you and I that I've gone to a place in my life to where I don't look at God's love as an excuse for me to live however I wanna live, that I look at his love and it inspires me to submit my life even more to him because I know, as his word says, that he wants to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think. And that that is his promise upon our lives. Friend, I don't know where you are in your journey. Maybe you're here today and maybe today you're kicking the tires of faith and you're not sure this is for you or not. And you're just, you're just kind of, you're like, God, I'm just gonna kind of put myself in an environment to see what you're all about. Or maybe you're here today and you've been following the Lord for a long time that you've experienced a lot of pain and a lot of tra- trauma along the way. But I don't know where you are in the spectrum of your life, but I do know this. God is always with you. But God always loves you, not because you've done the right thing, but that's who He is. That even in the worst of your moments, when you want to turn your back on God, that He still loves you. That even when you make mistakes and you go through difficulty, that, that His form of love and discipline is, is such because He sees such amazing potential, seeds of potential that He's placed inside of each and every one of you. And today, as we close this series, He wants you to know that no matter where you go, no matter what you do, whether you believe in him with all your heart or doubt him with all your heart, that his rope of love around you is everlasting and that it will not change. The Father today Loves you and wants the best for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Maybe there's somebody here today. You'd say, Ryan, I've been resisting. I've been resisting. That I recognize that God is He's at work in my life, that He's trying to order some things in my life, but I've just been I've just been resisting. And I believe there's some of you today that the Holy Spirit is stirring your heart and saying, today's the day that you stop resisting and you start receiving. With every head bowed and eye closed, I wanna pray for you today if that's you. If you would be as courageous as to just slip up your hand for a moment and say, Ryan, that's me, I'm ready. I'm tired of fighting, I'm tired of resisting. I'm ready to receive God's love and all that he has for me. Friend, if you raised your hand, I want you to say this with me today and church family, say it out loud with us. Jesus, thank you for loving me no matter what and dying for my sins. Today I receive your love and I invite you into my heart. Forgive me for my sins and transform me and to the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church family, would you give it up for those that <laughs> prayed that prayer today? Listen, if that was you today, I wanna challenge you. The easy thing to do is to pray a prayer and to walk out these doors and go about life and business as usual. But at the end of the service, our prayer team is gonna be up front and I wanna challenge you to come see one of those prayer team members today and let them know about your prayer and your decision, that we wanna come alongside of you, that being transformed and becoming all that God has created you to be isn't about a prayer, it's a process. And we wanna come alongside of you and we wanna kinda help you discover what those next steps are for your life. The last thing I wanna do before Andrea comes and gives some announcements and dismisses us for the week As I just wanna wanna pray over all of us as we we bring this series to a close. And this is a prayer from the Apostle Paul that was given to the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter three. Would you extend your hands this way just as as a act of receiving this prayer? And may you have the power to understand As all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, that then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. In Jesus' name, amen. thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at transform TLH. Thanks again for listening. And we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.